I have been watching a lot this week is The Boys. It's about these superheroes that do wrong things, really. And I'm really enjoying it, the first series. And I know the second series is now out on Amazon Prime. And it's got Jack Quaid, who is in real life the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. And I can't stop looking at him because I can see both of them in him. It's really bizarre. It's got Carl Urban from Star Trek. And recently, in recent episodes, there was one guy that could read people's minds if they held his hand. And my husband and I were just looking at him and going, who is he we know him was he a child actor or something and we discovered it is Hallie Joel Osmond who was the kid that was in Sixth Sense and I think was in an AI as well you could just tell it was him from his eyes and nose he's still got that kind of cute looking face but he's a much older man he's 30 year old now I think and yeah it was really bizarre but yeah great series it really is uh, really getting into it and away We've got Hilary Swank in it, and it's um, basically, I think to call it probably a PG or a 12, because it's not any, anything doesn't go really, really badly wrong. But it's basically Hilary Swank, it leads this team on this mission to go from the moon to Mars. And so it's, you know, a little bit far-fetched anyway. And it's really her lifestyle that she's left her husband and uh, her daughter behind. And it's really a sort of, almost like a family show. It's very bizarre, but it's quite watchable. But The Boys, I think, excellent series. But yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts are on some of these film stars now appearing in TV shows. I think it's amazing, really. And you look at the kind of budgets Netflix seems to have these days. It, you know, it must be worthwhile them doing it. I mean, I think cinema is still going to be regarded as where all these film actors want their films mm. to be showing. But... Yeah, this whole COVID period, I think, has accelerated this whole crossover. And it seems like you can't go a week now without hearing about other big stars that are in a film that's coming out on Netflix. One that I saw this week being advertised is The Devil All the Time, which is a drama featuring Tom Holland, who most people associate, obviously, with Spider-Man. And Robert Pattinson, who seems to be on a crest of a wave at the moment in terms of his stardom. Yeah, and they're the two leading actors in this film. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's great. I suppose when Netflix first came about, we had Amazon Prime. It was still seen as almost like a small screen experience. And we've talked about this. I know many people, I think you may be one of them, who now buy these mini projectors and... You can get an HD stream from any of these platforms, put it through a projector, put it on a wall. And I think it starts to incentivize people to see these films that are on the streaming platforms more than just, oh, I watch it on the telly. It's a telly experience. I, I just feel we're moving that way. And I think it's great because let's face it, not everyone has the time these days to go to the cinema. If you've got children, you know, maybe you're going to get to the cinema once a month, but you may love your film. So I I think it's a really good thing. As long as that balance continues and there's still the draw of going to the cinema to see these big films, which I believe there will be, at least at least in the moment, it seems that way. Mm. I I think it's great. Yeah, no, I I think it's good. And it's probably great for them because they get varied roles and lots of different 
opportunities to act in different roles anyway so yeah i do talking of children i'm going about to go and tell my children off because they're being very very noisy so just bear with me okay hang on. elevate can... elevator music no 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 sod the elevator music i want to li- can we listen in can you take your <laughs> you mic can. with you shall i take I, t- I will i will take I the living you... hang on mission control with Fortnite. this is multitasking it is right boys i shut the door so that you could be quiet didn't i uh-huh. And you both open the doors. Hello. I'm on the podcast. You are on a podcast right now. Hello. Because you're being very noisy. Please, can you shut the doors? I can't. I'm holding oh, my. Sorry. Right, shut your doors, please. I love that their instinct is to say hello. It's not to apologise <laughs> for the noise. It's like hello. I'm recording a podcast right now. Hello. Oh no, kids, mission control. There you go. Actually, what I was going to say was, going back to the boys, I've watched episode one and I'm really intrigued. It reminds me of Heroes all those years ago. It does a little bit, but I think this is better. Much, much better. Yeah, because it's like they are superheroes going, they're doing bad things, but some of it is really, really quite dark. So it's superheroes behaving badly would be the tag. Very, very naughty superheroes. (laughs) Very, very naughty. You can tell by the certificate. I made the mistake of saying to my son, who's only 11 years old, (laughs) oh, I've heard about this series called Boys. It's like a superhero thing. Let's go and see what it's like. Mm, Yes, I looked immediately at the certificate and the kind of themes it it included. I said, yeah, maybe maybe, (laughs) maybe another time. But I find it really weird because... I don't understand why it's called The Boys because I thought it was a boys TV series. So I said to my husband when he said, oh, this is going to be running. I said, I don't want to watch it because it's going to be, it's a boys TV series. So I didn't watch it. And, he, and then came back and said, it was really good. And and then now I've got series two. Do you want to watch it with me? I was like, mm, let's check out the first episode. And then I was hooked straight away, hooked. It was brilliant. It is for boys and girls. So not just for the boys, even though it's called The Boys. Cool. Well, as I say, I'm already committed. I'm one episode in. It was intriguing. So, yeah, I look forward to watching more of that. Right. What are we getting, What we're reviewing this week? This week we're reviewing our sci-fi film, A Quiet Place. Yeah. And our war film, Good Morning Vietnam. What should we go for first? Should we go for A Quiet Place? Go on then. One of the reasons I liked it was because it was only an hour and a half long. <laughs> so, perfect you know i love films that are and a half long yeah we both do so quiet place came out in 2018 directed by john krasinski we've got the screenplay by brian woods scott beck jan john krasinski himself story by brian woods and scott beck starring emily blunt and john krasinski so they here on and off screen husband and wife and they are parents to three children the eldest a girl, Reagan Abbott, who must be, I don't know, I'd say maybe kind of 13, 14. And then we have um, her brother, Marcus, played by Noah Jupe, and a younger brother, Bo, played by Cade Woodward. Now, we pick up the story with this family walking around this desolate town in the middle of nowhere in bare feet, walking through this kind of hardware store with absolutely nobody about and you soon latch on to the fact that it's completely silent and deliberately they are not talking to each other. The eldest child, Reagan, is deaf and she has a hearing aid. So she communicates via sign language anyway. And that seems to be just kind of picked up by the rest of the family, given the situation. It all looks like modern day, but clearly we know something's happened. So it has this feeling of this kind of dystopian or post-apocalyptic scenario. 
as the family are leaving this town, one by one they walk across this bridge and the youngest boy, Bo, is left at the back and he has taken a toy from the hardware store. The batteries are still in there and it makes a noise. Now, by this point, you've started to realise that any noise is bad, but you don't really know why. And so he's standing there with this rocket toy and, you know, the noise goes off and a bad thing happens. And the story is then picked up with the rest of the family who find themselves in this run-down farmhouse surrounded by woods in the middle of nowhere months later. And this is where we start to learn from a bunker that Lee, the father, has created with various newspaper cuttings and radio machines. People are basically dying from just making a noise, which attract creatures and this is the world we are introduced to. So it's very, very unique. And as a result, there's very little dialogue. And I think really from that point, the only other thing that I'd probably need to say, because you don't really obviously don't want to give too much away, is that Evelyn is uh, pregnant. And so we soon realise when we see that she's pregnant, we think to ourselves, this isn't good. No one can make a noise because bad things happen and they have to survive like that. And we think a baby's being brought into this scenario. So yes, I suppose it's a tale of survival. And it's also um, a story of the relationship between the father, Lee, and the eldest daughter, Reagan. Reagan feels like she's been let down by her father and is just completely unaware of the lengths that Lee is going to without her realising of trying to fix all these hearing aids to basically help her to hear more. And so really, he's doing everything he can for her daughter. And yet because of an episode earlier in the film, Reagan blames her father. So you have this kind of undercurrent there with mm-hmm. like the family dynamics and this tale of survival. I would say this is sci-fi horror. So although I wouldn't say particularly gory, obviously there are creatures out there who respond to sound that do appear from time to time. I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give too much away. Okay, it's, it's actually quite hard. In an hour and a half, there's quite a lot packed in and, and there are lots of twists and turns and you feel that you could give things away. But this is actually, I would say, one of the more recent films that we've reviewed. So it's only two years old. Then the next film is set to release in April 2021. I've seen this one before. I saw it at the cinema and this was the second time round that I watched it on my home screen. Seeing it was such a, a quiet film, being a quiet place, I watched this film last Saturday, husband in the loft banging floorboards down, the kids playing Fortnite, military operation going on, and the cat was howling next door because no one was giving it some attention. So I had in my own environment a very noisy place in this uh, quiet film that was going on in the background. It didn't matter because the film was in sign language or subtitles with occasional noise and to put some fear into your belly, I think. And there was only 25 lines of dialogue, apparently. So you can watch it in a noisy environment. If you're on the train or something like that, you could probably watch it and you wouldn't be disturbed at all. Um, It's cleverly done. And as you mentioned, an hour and a half, which is great. Basically, any sound that these aliens hear, they will destroy, whether it's a raccoon or 
whether it's a person or, or what. The alien slightly reminded me a bit of the character Venom and also Ripley's aliens from the alien series. And they have really extra sensitive hearing as well. And unfortunately, this family has quite a tragic moment in the film, which you, you bypass, which is great. And then the main part of the film is really preparing for this new family edition, I would say, as well. So we've got Evelyn, Emily Blunt, heavily pregnant. And why they decided to go down that road and have another baby during an alien invasion is beyond me, to be honest. But I guess these things happen. It was well, kind of... I would say boredom. Boredom. <laughs> and we discussed this in our household. Surely, like, lack of birth control. Lack of birth control, definitely. Obviously, the fear had not got into them enough at that stage anyway. But poor Evelyn having contractions without having to make sounds and having the baby. You know, how do you keep a baby quiet, really? And and you discover how they do that as well. I like the father-son moment by the river and where you can really hear them talk for the first time because it was by water and waterfall where they can just make these echoey noises and the aliens couldn't hear them over the rushing water. Sound editing was very strong in this film and they were nominated for Oscars and Golden Globes and BAFTAs, etc. But they didn't get it, unfortunately. And what beat them to it was uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale's Le Mans Ford versus Ferrari film, which obviously there'll be big booming sounds in that. But it did won an AFI movie of the year for sound. So, and actually the best film of the year under AFI movie of the year. So that's good. I'm glad they won something for this. There's a lot in this film you can say that you could give the film a way uh, there's lots of twists and turns I've already said I'm going to really not really talk about the plot but I like the way that they had no sound and they made it so that they could walk on sand instead of gravel or leaves the monopoly board pieces were made of wool and they've really thought about everyday life what makes a noise as well and I thought that was quite clever and they also thought about how to keep the baby quiet and walking without shoes the mattress over access to some of the rooms to reduce sound, etc. as well. The girl, Millicent Simmons, who's in the film, is 15 and it's her second film after Wonderstruck and is actually deaf in real life. And she didn't think she'd be able to act due to her disability. And I'm so pleased that she's done this and she's got more coming up and I think she's got a great career ahead of her as well. The lad was called Noah Dupe. You've already mentioned he was 13 in this film and they look so much younger from being a 15-year-old or a 13-year-old, maybe when they were filming it at the time, but they look so much younger. But Noah Dupe has done quite a lot, really, already. He's done Penny Dreadful, he's done Wonder, Le Mans, 66. So he's had a really good start already to his career. The film, this is the first one for John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. They got married in 2010 and have two children themselves. So I think they can probably relate to how to to handle the children within this film as well. I really like Emily Blunt. Her first big break was Devil Wears Prada. She's been in Charlie Wilson's War, Young Victoria, Nomeo and Juliet series, Looper, Edge of Tomorrow, The Girl in a Train, Sicario, Mary Poppins. She's a great actress and I'm hoping that she soon gets an Oscar. I kind of put her in that same bracket as Anne Hathaway. Yes, kind of, yes. She gets so many roles. She's so versatile and I think you're right. I think she will definitely land an Oscar at some point. Yeah, I hope so. She's, yeah, she, and, and also a bit of, um, for some reason, Julia Roberts as well. I don't know why. It's, she's in that window, I think, of those kind of actresses. And John Krasinski, probably one of his big films, really. Um, he's done a lot of TV. He started in The Office. Um, we've seen him as Jack Ryan as well more recently and apparently with this film Stephen King is also a fan and like the use of the silence as well and wonder if he'll bring that more into his, his books 
I have got some factoids if you want me to share those. Yeah, no, no, go for it. So the film was shot in 36 days. Can you believe it? Um, which is a really short time. The filmmakers purchased 20 tonnes of corn and hired local farmers to grow it as well because most of it was set around all these cornfields as well, wasn't it? It's it's very simple concept, really. It may have been done in silent movies, I guess. I'd say what was interesting when we were watching it is someone mentioned Bird Box, which was the Sandra Bullock Netflix movie that actually came out exactly the same year. And with Bird Box, the theme was when you look at people, you get consequences um, in the same way as if you make a sound in a quiet place, there are consequences. So Mm. it was just interesting that in the same year, that kind of concept was used alongside two different films. You never know, there might be a film out with with you smell something and you die. (laughs) (laughs) The elevator moment <laughs> not sure not sure that's a smell that's like smell of vision smell of vision still has that it's so disappointing but it would be easy to call it a gimmick but the film's done so well like mm. you say the attention to detail i think the fact that so few characters in it is absolutely gripping isn't it i mean there were times where i had questions one for example where the father and son are behind the waterfall and like you say because there's water falling it means they're safe so for the first time we see two people actually have a normal conversation so it did kind of make me think well if that's the case why don't they live right next to the river or waterfall or, or find out some way of being closer to that but then someone pointed out well yes but then if they got used to that environment then it would make it harder for them to be quiet if you like in their day-to-day life I thought okay yeah all right fair enough and then if they figured out how to find a place in the farm that we learned to be soundproof why did they wait so long to go down there but then again it was pointed out to me they weren't they were never going to know until they they went into it so they well they would never have taken the risk until they had to so i thought oh yeah all right i mean obviously you've got to suspend disbelief with all these things but i don't think there was any if you like glaring errors or bloopers that trip the kind of whole theme or concept up, certainly not enough to distract you from the whole drama of it. I think one of the most memorable scenes is the nail. Oh, so yeah. it's deliberately signposted to make you go, oh, God. Oh, it's yeah. when the mother's walking up the steps out of the basement yeah. and she walks past this nail stuck up yeah. uh, from, from one of the steps. And you go, right, okay, we're able to see that for a reason. And then, of course, later in the film, she's walking down yeah. the steps and her waters have just gone. And yeah, she blood everywhere. There. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't going to be good. And yeah. <laughs> That was the other thing I questioned. If she's Jew, and we know that she's Jew because they keep a record of it on the on the yeah. calendar. I mean, I know you can't be exact, obviously. You but wouldn't go out, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't. Go- you wouldn't no one. You'd always have someone with her, but but, but she did. Her daughter was supposed to be with her. Yeah, but I would say I would almost say he should be around. But having said that, they did think about that because she triggered a whole load of lighting strung around the farm. Well, you know, she deliberately turned them on, and so the father who was out doing his daily job saw it, ran back, and all the rest. So you think, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. But yeah, I I think the most effective scenes are when you have the creature who's in the farmhouse, in the basement that's flooded with 
the mother who the creature of course cannot see but of course can hear and she's Mm. holding a baby and you just think right how she get out of this i just thought that worked really really well and the the finale if you like of the film (laughs) i've seen this before and i'd completely forgotten the one key part of the ending where we have the mother inside trying to protect the baby and you have the father and the kids outside in a bit of a cat and mouse standoff with one of the creatures. And something happens during that sequence, which I completely forgot about, which really shocked me. I just was not prepared for it at all. And I think you've alluded to the fact that this is a film with twists and turns, but I would say there's probably two significant things that happen in this, which are genuinely, in my mind, genuinely shocking. One at the start and one towards the end. And everything in between is just great, great, just sci-fi, thriller, horror, scare. I think think it set it up nicely for to have a second one, definitely. But I thought I'm not going to say the ending, obviously, but you kind of think it's all over, don't you? But I'm wondering how they're going to do the second one, really. Just as another factoid, though, John Krasinski played one of the aliens as well in it. Perfect. Yeah, I I love that kind of stuff. And budget-wise, 17 million, fairly low, and worldwide gross. 340 million. So not too bad. Not bad at all. Like it, right? So what are you going to give it? I think I enjoyed it more than watching it the second time, actually. I think the first time I was like, oh, this is different, and I can maybe get over that. But I think I watched it more intently this time, and I thought, yeah, that's clever, actually. And I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten. Nice, nice. What about Um, you? I enjoyed it, but I think second time around, because the whole concept of make a sound, you could be a goner, has such impact. The second time around, knowing that, it didn't grab me quite the same way. Still very, very enjoyable and a great one and a half hours to spend watching a film, no doubt about it. So I'm going to give it, but still because it is a unique concept and done so well, I'll give it eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Good scores. It scores for a non-Oscar winner as well. So, I mean, we've watched some that uh, had loads and loads of Oscars that got lower scores than that, definitely. I'll tell you what, it's a film that's very effective, knows what it's doing and doesn't outstay its welcome. Mm. I think if this was like two hours, two and a half hours, it wouldn't have worked. No, yeah, just yeah, right. Just right. So next film is Good Morning Vietnam which was released in 1988 in the UK, a year earlier in the US. But I suppose in those days it took longer to to come out, didn't it? Directed by Barry Levinson, and he's previously done Rain Man, Bugsy, Toys as well. Actually did them after this film, I believe. Screenplay by Mitch Markovitz, and it stars Robin Williams and Forrest Whitaker, Tom T. Tran and Bruno Kirby as well as the main stars. It's set in 1965 with Vietnam uh, war escalating airman Adrian Cronauer, played by Robin Williams, arrives in Saigon to work as a radio host for the US Army. He's met at the airbase by Sergeant Edward Garlick, who's played by Forrest Whitaker, and uh, Garlick takes him to the radio station where Cronauer is introduced to Lieutenant Stephen Hawke, who's played by Bruno Kirby, and Sergeant Sergeant Major Dickerson, who's G.T. Walsh. Cronar has been brought in as a comic to host the morning show. So Dickerson and Hawke both lay out their rules for Cronar. For example, not to play rock and roll, which is in those days was not the right kind of songs 
for a war environment and really what they wanted him to do is really play some some nice music with censored news as well so Cronau then launches his first broadcast with good morning Vietnam and the show is an instant hit with the young soldiers oozing with humor odd characters of his own creation, mild criticism from war efforts and uh, American elected officials, including Richard Nixon and Lyndon Johnson, and celebrity impressions as well. And after his first broadcast, Cronow receives accolades from all of his colleagues, apart from Hawke, of course, who absolutely hates it and hates Cronow. Garlic wants to take Cronow out and about because he's new to the area, and he takes him to Jimmy Wah's local bar, which is popular with the US soldiers, and Cronow now launches his sight on a young local woman dressed in white. Garlic tries to tell Cronau that fraternisation with locals is absolutely forbidden, but Cronau buys a couple of bicycles and sets up after her after she leaves the bar. And Garlic tries to follow him but and, and almost gets killed in, in the process. Um, she goes to a local school where another US soldier is teaching a group of Vietnamese citizens how to speak English, and Cronau sort of steps in and, and bribes the teacher that he would like to teach the class because he's dying of terminal illness and he this is exactly what he wants to do in his life and he gets he gets the job and he's also after a date with this young lady as well now Cronau has some fun with the locals at this class and he teaches them american rock songs american slang how to curse in english as well and after the class ends he tries to talk to the young lady but her brother steps in called tuan who is played by tom t tran and tries to explain things to adrian that she's from a, a good family background he needs to learn you know how they do things in Vietnam etc etc but Adrian is very persistent and tells him that he appreciates his honesty and respects him and just continues as he is and Tuam eventually decides to help Cronau to meet his sister and he ends up taking the whole family to the movies because they chaperone her basically and now Cronau on air antics continue to annoy Hawk and, and Dickerson but the host's popularity with the soldiers continues to grow he goes on tour and then Cronau joins one of his colleagues at Jimmy Wars after work one day and Tuan shows up and is invited to sit with Cronau's group but two soldiers take the mick out of Tuan and Cronau tries to stick up for him and, and talks the men down and then a fight breaks out which causes some inju- injuries and damage. Later, another time he tries to go back to Jimmy Wars and Tuan just happens to turn up and suddenly appears and tells him to come away with him and to meet his sister. And as they walk away, this bar explodes, killing three US servicemen and injuring many on the street as well. Now, Cronau helps carry the injuries out of the place, but he marches straight back to the station, to the teletype room, and grabs the printed report of the bombing and tries to broadcast that. But Dickerson very harshly orders him to give up the report and puts him on temporary suspension, which is then Hawk takes over the broadcast, promising to be funnier than Cronau, but he's absolutely dire, and hate mail comes through, etc. So there's this love-hate relationship between these, these guys. Cronau becomes further despondent with his superiors and tells Garlic that he needs sick of being told what he can and can't do and, and thinks of quitting. And then in a meeting with Dickerson, Cronauer is informed that Tuan may not be who he seems. So I'll leave it as there because I've waffled on. Rob, what do you think? I really liked it. And it's been a while since I've watched Robin Williams in this kind of role. He's done it so many times in his career where that mixture of just zany genius humor is also mixed with a really serious dramatic role 
I mean, how many times have we seen, obviously, Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. Um, we've seen it uh, in Awakenings. I mean, we've seen it in, in, in many, many of the roles he's done. And I think, for me, that's where he's most effective. He sucks you in because he's just such a enigmatic, likable, funny he person. Is. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's he, why it's on my list, I think. So, But he finds himself trapped in this scenario where his instinct is to make people laugh as this radio host which is this huge lifeline for all of these soldiers in mm. vietnam but equally he's also there to want to tell the truth and that's obviously where he bumps up with his officials they don't take any time to get into this film the first shot is literally williams arriving and five minutes later he's he's on the microphone broadcasting his first show and it was interesting because i listened to the soundtrack of this before i watched it and the very first thing on the soundtrack is the excerpt of that first broadcast where he famously introduces himself with good morning vietnam and then he just goes off on one and it is just obviously like watching robin williams doing stand-up yeah. Um, yeah. well it, it, he's up living all the way through as well apparently well, that's what I assumed. That's what's so enjoyable about it. You're watching, you're thinking, mm. it's Robin Williams. You know this is ad-libbing. Yeah. It's so brilliant because of that. And it made me wonder, and I thought well, this must also be the case, if he's ad-libbing, there are so many shots of the crew in the broadcast station in the background when he delivers that first broadcast. These expressions on their face, a lot of that just must be genuine expression because he's ad-libbing and they're genuinely finding it funny. Yeah. And you just totally get sucked into that. And it's almost every time he's on the microphone you're aware of that and that very very first scene is so memorable i think it's quite touching the relationship he tries to forge with with tuan's sister i think that could have gone away where he gets together with her you know when he's at his lowest ebb when he's been chucked uh -huh. off the air and he goes to speak to her and and that scene in the paddy fields where he visits where she lives or where they live and she just says to him no no, you know, you're an American, I'm Vietnamese, it can't work, mm. despite you know that there's feelings there, and she just kind of walks off. Mm. So I thought that was really good, that they just, you know, it's almost like they cut that relationship, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. And the scene where Cronauer is decided, even though he's been invited back onto the, the station to broadcast again, he decides he doesn't want to do it. Why would he do it when the people in charge don't really want him there? He can't say what he wants. And Garlic's trying to let him know that people depend upon him. And there's that scene. You could say it's cheesy, but because, again, it's so clearly ad-libbing, where he's in the, uh, the jeep, and a whole load of lorries are parked up with all these soldiers in, waiting to move on. Garlic stands up and says, hey, look who I've got in the Jeep. It's the one and only Adrian Cronauer. And of course, they love him from hearing him, on the, um, hearing him on the radio. And he's almost like forced to interact with the soldiers. And it's so clearly just spontaneous conversation that he's mm. striking up. And it's like, wow, it's like watching him doing stand-up, chatting to people in the crowd. Yeah, and, yeah like, and almost on like he's on tour. Yeah. So when you juxtapose Pose genius improvisation with so many funny moments brings a levity to the bigger story, which of course is the horrific things that are going on in Vietnam. And there are elements of, to this what do feel almost reportage. And it's quite clever that they'll use these really warm, friendly, classic pop tracks on scenes of bombs going off or people bloodied and injured clearly designed to really make you think twice about this isn't just 
uh, fun and laughs. Mm. And I, it would be difficult to think who else could have possibly played this role. And it's interesting when this film was picked last week, it's one of those films that you forget about because, you know, I suppose you think of Robin Williams, you'd think of Goodwill Hunting almost straight away, but there are so many others. And I was so, so pleased to watch this. I love Robin Williams. Yeah, and as I say, I the, the light and shade he brings to these films, I just think mm. is second to none. Yeah. And actually, Adrian Cronow is actually a real person, a popular armed force radio disc jockey in Vietnam during the mid 60s. And apparently all of the other characters in this film were made up. But yeah, he was actually real. But they also nearly made Good Morning uh, Chicago, which is when Adrian Cronow returned back home, where he featured as a, a reporter in the 1968 Democratic National Convention. But the film never went ahead in the end. I just think Robin Williams is just very, very smart. I don't think anyone else could have played that role because he's just so switched on. He is doing like a comedy act as he would do in stand-up. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do anything like that in a movie or TV show before, to be honest. He's, he's one of a kind and it's, it's so sad that he passed away. You know, he was 62 when he passed away in, in 2014. He wasn't a particularly really young man, but it just felt he was young to be going at that time. I mean, you mentioned a couple of films that he's done, but he's, I mean, when I looked up on IMDb, and remember I've watched all of these, Dead Poets Society, Awakenings, The Fisher King, Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, I remember him very well, and uh, Jumanji, Goodwill Hunting, as you said, and he actually got an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting for Best Supporting Actor, but he was nominated for Best Actor for Good Morning Vietnam. Depot Society in Fisher King. He had so much more to give, I think, and it's just I felt his life was cut short. The other person that I realised that passed away is Bruno Kirkby, which I was really surprised by. He was in The Godfather Part 2 when Harry met Sally and City Slickers. I was really like taken aback that he had passed away as well because I've enjoyed watching him in those films. But yeah, I, I mean, the music makes it for me in this film. Lots of many 60s tunes from Wayne Montana and the Mindbenders to a little bit of James Brown coming your way. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, as you rightly said, it's a kind of mixed emotions in this film. Yeah, there's something about Robin Williams. I don't know if it's something, this sounds really a bit cheesy, but, you know, when Robin Williams looks sad in a mm. film, for some reason, and maybe it's because you see him in the other extreme of being larger than life, there's something that just totally gets you. It's like you can see into his soul or something. He just has that look about him that totally just has you. It's his eyes. I think it's his eyes. He's got very sparkly, glistening eyes. He has that ability to, if he's sad, he'll have a almost watery eyes. And if he's happy, he's, he's, he's got sort of wrinkles on his face and a big smile that he makes you happy as well. So he can do all, all sorts of emotions, I think. And you always feel with him under the surface, there's quite a complex character going on. And, yeah. it's, and sadly, you know, obviously, sadly, that's the case in real yeah. life. It, I would have loved to watch so many more Robin Williams films. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. So what are you going to give it then, Rob? I wouldn't say this is my favourite Robin Williams film. I think Good Will Hunting and Dead Poets Society are right up there. But I think the, uh, I think probably the, the only really main criticism I've got about it is that I did feel like in the third act... It just got bogged down a bit. It kind of lagged along. I think it was from that point where he was chucked off the air and then he kind of came back on, just dragged a bit. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. A good score. 
I'm, I'm going to give it eight out of ten, actually. I think it kind of plods along a little bit in, in places. I think where he does his comedy moments and the music come on, it wakes you up a little bit. I mean, Robin Williams, is he's he's a, he's a genius, I think. So eight, eight out of ten for me. Cool. Right. So, what have we got? So, you go first. first? You give us, yeah, you give us a genre out of the hat. Oh, horror thriller. Horror thriller. Let's hope it's not a proper horror. <laughs> I've got 18. Okay, 18. I'm going to go for number seven. It is. <laughs> this is really going to be scary, isn't it? It is The Shining. Oh, I knew you would say that. <laughs> I was oh my really, goodness I our was, brains are linked now <laughs> i know I was, I was really hoping that one's going to come up um so yeah the shining obviously uh, absolute complete classic. classic yeah classic okay i mean if, as if anyone needs to know about the shining but if you don't directed by stanley kubrick based on the book by stephen king starring jack nicholson and shelley duval a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence whilst his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. Scary. And you can watch it on um, Amazon Prime at the moment, which is great. And you can rent or buy off most online channels. Are you going to be all right? Are you going to be all right watching I will be all right. Make sure everyone's in the house. Make sure it's daytime. Yeah. Actually, no. Sod that. It's got to be evening. You've got to get the full (laughs) effect on your own. (laughs) Right, okay. Good. Good. So it is musical. Uh Musical. Or music. Music. Okay, I have ten. Ten. Okay. Well, I'm going to go right down the middle, number five. It is. A Star is Born. Oh, do you know what? This is really freaky. You thought I was going to say The Shining and I thought you were going to say A Star is Born. How weird. Yeah, no, Star is Born and it's in 2018, directed by Bradley Cooper, stars him and also has Lady Gaga in it. A musician helps a young singer find fame as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. And I think this is the fourth film based on the same story because i remember when this first came out there was various discussions as to how this rated against the other three i mean you don't often get a fourth film made of the same story yeah so where can we watch this one you can rent it from amazon prime you can see it on youtube as well and you can buy from most online channels lovely jubbly well i am looking forward to this week um i've watched the first episode i'm going to watch a few more episodes of the boys it's very good and you will be engrossed that you'll just want to watch more one after the other, to be honest. And that's what I've been doing. I've just been cramming them in, binge watching. That's what it is. It's a week for binge uh, watching. It's a week for binge watching. And also I'm going to be, I think I'm going to have a proper session with popcorn watching The Shining. I think that'd be, that'd be a good one. I was going to thought you were going to say, and, you know, a proper know, session with been... popcorn and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the kids, yeah. Get them to watch The Shining. <laughs> Free oh, them out for life. Good stuff, all right. right. Well, have a, have a good week. I will. Thanks a lot, Sarah. See you next time. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Bye.